get your favorite pair of shoes. Oh, I want to know. In the, the Thinking Pilates podcast with Deborah Colway, um, just this past week, she and I were exploring what what it is, you know, what it means, what's the Pilates philosophy. And, um, you know, something that I came to realize is that it's not just a single thing. Like it's not just a easy thing really to identify. There are multiple pieces of it as with most things, the philosophy has layers. And, um, I don't, maybe this conversation that we're having is a little bit more like what's, what part of the philosophy can we pass on to our um, instructors in training that will help, help them along the way? What do you think? That's such a huge question. Um, because, you know, when you sent me the email about with that question, my mind just went reeling in a way because I was like, well, does Chantel mean <laughs> the book Contrology or does she mean the uh, Pilates principles, or, you know what I mean? So I was, like, going through and through and through, and then I, I started thinking about I went to um, a counselor about a couple months ago, maybe, and we talked about, um, you know, because I'm going through transition as a limited of space, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what kind of space do I want my next studio to be, literally, like, physical space. Right. And it's been stressing me out. And so um, <laughs> she said, you know, Melissa, you ask your clients to trust you every day. You ask them to trust in what you're doing, what you're saying, the Pilates method. You ask them to trust you. So why can't you use that same philosophy? I think she actually used that word in your own life. Why can't you use the philosophy you use in your studio, in your, your own life, and just trust that the studio business is going to get somehow get taken care of? Not saying you don't have to do your homework about it. Right. But just let, let the powers that be kind of help you along. And don't stress out so much. So I was like, well, is that the Pilates philosophy? Because <laughs> I do use that technique all the time in my studio. Mm-hmm. So um, it's such a it's such a huge question. And I think it's, um, you know, when I think of the book Return to Contrology and, and some other things, from what I understand, obviously I never met Joe Pilates, but how he lived his life was what he was trying to get across in a way. Mm-hmm. Um and he lived um, fully, it sounds like. I mean, from everything I've read or all the stories I've heard, he was just, he lived fully. And how he did that was what he needed to do to do that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of what I do is teaching body awareness. Um, and so people outside the studio can live more fully. They know how to take better care of themselves. So it's, it's so... I don't know, I'm going off on different tangents, but the question you're asking can mean so many things. And so um, I don't even know where to go now with this. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's so um, huge. I know. It is, it is a big topic. And um, uh, just, it, I, I may end up cutting this out, but do you mind? I'm just going to, I'm going to read what you wrote to me in your email. Oh, for sure. That's great. Okay. So you said, I was thinking about your discussion topic um, and the way that I looked at it from the teaching side, the studio ownership client side, my mind just kept coming back to trust. 
trust in the Pilates process, trust in the instructor, trust in the client, trust in ourselves and our intuition, and trust in the process of the universe. The philosophy of Pilates in our teaching seems apparent almost to the point, I wonder if I'm channeling him sometimes. Um, you say, it sounds arrogant, but I can't help but feel that way. Um, to me, integrating that philosophy into my business is a challenge in what I've been working on. If I think of myself as my own client from the studio ownership perspective, I try to understand not only my strengths and areas for improvement, but more importantly, what makes me feel happy or good in this work. This is what your book helped me to see that owning this business should be a positive, uh, should be positive for my overall well-being and should make me happy. I've been analyzing what makes me feel like I've improved my business and what are the things that feel like unneeded struggle or extraneous drama. Um, just like how, how we do the exercises or the method itself make, makes one feel, our studios should somehow personally reflect that feeling of gain or improvement or ease as the Pilates movements make one feel so physically. So to get to these feelings gained from our business based on the Pilates philosophy, we also have to trust in the peaks and lulls that are offered to us via our business. I ask my clients to trust uh -huh. in my process and in me and in the Pilates movement method daily. I am just now learning to trust in the process offered by the universe, and I can tell you I'm so busy that I have a client waiting list. I think that what I get out of that and what I see uh, is that kind of what you said in the very beginning, which is um, maybe the broader relationship of the Pilates philosophy with how, like how we use it, right? Because that was part of the uh -huh. question, like, what do you think it is? And then how do you either use it or not use it? And um, one thing that I myself am coming to realize is that he was incredibly committed to this path. Right. And he uh -huh. believed, again, this is from what you can read about him or, or hear about him from people who were actually involved with him firsthand is that he, he believed truly that this kind of attention to the body with these specific movements. And I almost feel like it's not so much about the movement, but about the intention behind the movement. And that he was so committed yeah. to that, he was so committed to that, that it was the way he lived his life and he trusted uh -huh. it. And then he taught it and expected that his students would trust it. And, you know, perhaps that is what you're saying, you know, what you wrote was, uh -huh. you know, that as teachers, we do have to trust the method as a, as a lifelong practice and that it does work. And with commitment to it, we can really change our whole experience of our life, which sounds lofty, but I, you know, in the book, I say something like, you know, that Pilates can change your life. It can change the world. And then this last weekend I was in San Francisco and uh, took a workshop with Amy Taylor Alpers. And she had this t-shirt on that said, it was a quote with, uh, from Joe on the back that said, if, you know, if the, I don't know, if the United Nations, uh, you know, delegates can't do my first five exercises, how can we expect 
you know, world peace or something of that nature. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting how connected our presence in our lives is a reflection of our commitment to something, something healthful. Right. And, you know, it does seem perhaps a little esoteric, but it's very rooted in this idea of, um, physical well-being and dedication to presence and knowing one's body and in, therefore knowing one's limitations and just a general aliveness and awareness. And I do feel like I, 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 I didn't really even think about all of that. You know, like nobody ever really talked to me much about the philosophy. I mean, I was required to read the book, but there was not any in-depth discussion and certainly not among my peers, any discussion about anything other than teaching the exercises. And I feel like it's such a shame. And luckily I'm hearing more and more about the philosophy and about this commitment to the idea of, you know, practicing this, you know, Pilates for a lifetime so that's, that's the good news. But I think a lot of us as teachers don't have anything to formulate a teaching base from other than the technique, which is wonderful and you can trust it and get wonderful results, but, but that's, but that's just the foundation. Right. That, that is the foundation of the technique is the foundation of the method. And then, you know, if you go up the steps or up the pyramid, um, there's so much more to it because anything, so if you start with the, the technique foundation and build on that, um, I've seen changes in people's lives outside the studio because, like, for example, they've gained confidence in themselves mm-hmm. as a, a speaking point. Just right. from doing... I'm sure there's other changes, but some people wrote up, somebody wrote on their intake form that they wanted to have more confidence. And so starting with a technique to build confidence in the body will help you build, you know, overall confidence will help you make the changes you need to make in your life and so on and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's one example, but the, the technique is the foundation and where you go from there is your personal intention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is, uh it is the foundation and, and you do get a lot from it and you can get exponentially more from it. I think if you are practicing it intentionally and uh not only, but but that, that means that the teacher has to be teaching it intentionally. And Uh as I said before, I, I'm coming to realize that the level of intention is not even enough. It's your commitment. Right. It's your commitment to the intention of the method, which is your commitment Uh to the philosophy of the method. And, um, you know, I've been flipping through the return to life book Uh and, um, I mean, he was super, super idealistic. Um, Uh and, you know, much of much of his philosophy ends up being distilled, I think, in the Pilates principles of, you know, uniform development and con- 
control, flowing motion, rhythm, opposition, you know, precision, breath, right? All of those things that we know, everybody kind of talks about them in a slightly different um, way, but I think we pretty much all agree on, you know, the, some fundamental principles. And so going back to our, you know, the beginning of the, this conversation, it's like, so can we perhaps as teachers of teachers bring our teachers, you know, these emerging teachers continuously back to asking themselves if how or what they're teaching is in line with the Pilates principles, which is a distillation of the Pilates philosophy. I don't know. You know, um, because I feel like the Pilates principles, as we've learned them, are perhaps the bridge between the physical movement principles and the more theoretical, philosophical principles um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, uh-huh. um, topic and I just, I find myself really being more excited and more committed to holding that clear intention of, of what I'm, of what I'm teaching and really trusting that. And I do think that that has, there's more power in that when we're committed, right? And we have to know what we're committed to. So we have to, we have to know first and then we have to be intentional and then really committed to always teaching from that place. And what I tell the teachers that I've been, you know, working with and coaching and mentoring, it's like, um, the, the clearer we are, the more sustainable our work is, right? That we, uh-huh. any challenge that we face can then be answered by, you know, this question of like, what kind of, what am I most committed to as a teacher, in, in, like as a human being? And how do I infuse my teaching and my business and everything that I endeavor to do with these, with this, you know, this vision of who I am or, or how I want to be in the world. And it's exciting, I think, because Pilates is pretty, I mean, so many people just don't have any idea, <laughs> you know, what it. Still don't, still yeah. don't have any idea, which is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting when you were talking about intention. I took a um, workshop. In Pilates on tour with Elizabeth Larkin, and she did something that fascinated me, and it's made me think about intention just as we're talking about. She used the cues. She said, say it once, say it twice, and then have the intention and don't say anything. Yeah. So, in her, just in her cueing, she says, you, you verbalize the cue once, you verbalize it a different way the second time, and then you don't see anything and you focus your intention on that person of what you want to happen in that movement. And I found that fascinating and I've been practicing that in my own teaching and it's pretty amazing what can happen just by focusing your intention and not even seeing anything. Yes. I mean, it's astounding to me. Um, So, you know, if we can apply that 
to, one, our clients, and then, two, through what you're saying, when I'm doing teacher training, I've, I've started to talk to them about what is your intention or focus in this exercise, just mm-hmm. like you were talking about um, why are you doing this. Right. And um, I think that's great to have them start out because I didn't start out that way. I yeah. started out with learning the exercise without any explanation of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing, I started out doing an apprenticeship with somebody where we, I didn't have a manual, I didn't have a book, I'd had nothing, I had no videos, I just did what she told me to do (laughs) with no explanation, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, people starting out now have kind of an advantage and hopefully, um, you know, it's just a different way to learn, I guess, but, um, they have an advantage of having the materials to help them learn the technique, but then hopefully the extra bit that you and I are trying to get across, and I'm sure so many other teachers um, are thinking and doing similar things. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very cool. The depth of all of it, you know, and and at this uh-huh. point where you and I are in our teaching, and, and you know, so many teachers who are, you know, double and three times as far along the path, but that there are more yeah. of us now who have been teaching longer who are at this place of like really understanding the richness and depth and requirement of the teaching and teaching the body and teaching this method. I mean, you know, and I think it's often the same for yoga teachers, um, you know, perhaps slightly different challenges and perspectives, obviously, but, you know, there is a built-in richness in this work um, that requires a tremendous amount of presence from us and intention. And, you know, it's cool that you mentioned that about Elizabeth, because I think maybe what, I don't know, was it last summer at, in Denver, you and I were both at the Pilates on tour? Yes. Is that, were you in that class? Uh, I don't know. I, I took two workshops with Elizabeth. One was a day long and one was a, just a short workshop, but I, I, we, she talked about it in the workshop and then I had a conversation with her afterward because she, she, I don't know, she had said um, in that moment, she was talking about entrainment, right? Which is like that kind of nonverbal um, knowing or relationship with your student that you establish over time. And, and I was also very fascinated with that because at the time I had just completed the manual cueing video series where we were talking about, you know, creating a framework and, and hands-on touch and all of that kind of stuff. And I often talk to my teachers about, like, it's okay to not say anything, you know, because uh-huh. especially new teachers feel like, and unfortunately experienced teachers too, often like, just to fill the space with words all the time, <laughs> you know, and not really trust that by holding the intention clearly, you don't really need to say anything. Um, uh-huh. it's a, it's a fascinating and very cool and very exciting thing. You know, it's, it's really, uh-huh. um, it is really, it is really neat. And, um, I think that's, you know, that's kind of what I want most for teachers is to, to be able to have that experience where they can trust themselves no matter what stage they're at in their teaching you know, as long as they are having some clarity, even if it's the simplest, like I want this person to straighten their legs, (laughs) 
Yes. You know, how hard is it for new teachers to get somebody to push out on footwork? Sometimes it's like impossible. Like straighten your legs. <laughs> you know, like just to hold to hold the clarity of that intention, you know, in one end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's, I mean, it's all just really fascinating and interesting. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was so, it was, I mean, it kind of blew my mind at the time. And I thought, when I heard her say that, I thought, I have to try this. So, <laughs> I have to, you know, I have to try this when I get back to the studio. So there's certain people, I think the client has to be open to certain things for that to um, create change, but I have certain clients that are, so I tried it on a couple clients, and I was like, I don't know, I was dumbstruck. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it's amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, certainly some people would be more open to that. You know, it's just like uh-huh. you know, how how you get clients who come in who are incredibly receptive to the, you know, the level of focus and awareness that this work takes. And then you get people yeah. who are just like, what's that exercise? What, what do you want me uh-huh. to do? You're like, oh, my God, it's been five, it's been five years. <laughs> you, don't <I> know. Know. <laughs> you don't know what to do? That's crazy. Yeah. So it is interesting, but it is another, another very, um, just wonderful layer to, you know, being in this role of teacher. Well, thank you so much. I'm really grateful for your time and I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, but, um, hopefully we'll have you back on as a guest, an official guest on the Thinking Pilates podcast. And, um, that sounds fantastic. Thank you. You know what, Chantel, thank yeah. you so much. It's been my pleasure more than anything to speak with you too. So mm-hmm. I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you, Melissa. And I really look forward to staying in touch and, um, hopefully we'll speak very soon. So thanks for joining us for another skillful teaching interview and this little snippet of the Thinking Pilates podcast. We've been talking with Melissa Francis of Intelligent Exercise LLC of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, if you want to get in touch with myself or Deborah Colway, who is my co-host of the podcast, you can email us at thinkingpilates at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and we look forward to talking with you or hearing from you very soon. You can also check out the other Skillful Teaching interviews on the Skillful Teaching website. That's skillfulteaching.com. You're going to want to look under the Inner Teacher tab and go to the podcast page. You'll see the collection of podcast episodes as well as um, the, the teacher interviews there. What's your favorite color? Why does summer make you sad?